This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. All right, team, welcome back to the Freedom Hunt. Great to have you. As always, the inauguration is coming up here later on in the week, and we are expecting, or at least we've been told to expect, based on the reports, that there could be some mayhem. Our next guest is well known to many, if not all of you, I'm sure, James O'Keefe. He is an award-winning journalist and writer. He's the founder and president of both Project Veritas and Project Veritas Action, nonprofit organizations dedicated to investigating corruption, dishonesty, waste, and fraud in both public and private institu- institutions. Uh, James, good to have you back. Thanks for joining. Hey, Buck. Great to be with you. I All right, what's you. the latest in what's what's the latest that you've been up to James? Looks like we could be expecting or at least perhaps should expect some some rough stuff down at the inauguration. I don't even know where to begin. Um how many things that we've shown and exposed and reported on and reactions to it, but last 3 days we've released a series of videos. The first one showed butyric gas, these anti-fascists they call themselves anti-fascists, but they're really more like fascists because they're, they're, they're planning to gas through an HVAC system of the National Press Club, one of the events in D.C. Uh, there's also this, this attempt to um, shut down trains by, by taking these metal chains and attaching them to, chain, to trains, metro trains in D.C. Uh, there's discussion about punching people in the throat, people they determine are Nazis. Of course, anyone attending a Trump inauguration event would be considered a Nazi in their book. And these groups are all doing this under the umbrella of Disrupt J20, which is the loose-knit group of groups that are going down to D.C. to openly shut down the inauguration. There's nothing wrong with peaceably protesting or even civil disobedience, but they're talking about wreaking havoc and violence. So today, or actually a few days ago, we went to the FBI, the Secret Service, but today we got a call from the U.S. Attorney's Office. My lawyer got a call. They're looking at the full tapes and may, in fact, be proceeding with an arrest or two. Um, and we also have a report from U.S. News and World Report saying that the Disrupt J20 organizers are kind of scaling back a little bit in light of these secret videotapes. They're, they're afraid of, uh, of doing too much. So we, we may have avoided some disaster. Knock on wood here. We'll see what happens uh, tomorrow and Friday. And there may be usage of stink bombs. I'm seeing some specifics here. National Review has also covered your work, a piece by DeRoy uh, Murdoch. But there's some there's some really, well, like I said, some nasty stuff that they're talking about. And you've got some specifics here, including on tape. Can we play the audio? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, throat punching is, is probably a good thing. We have a plan for how to shut down uh, a metro. It takes 15 seconds, and everyone can leave. But literally, it can't go anywhere. That would require like a bolt cutter undo. Basically, it would shut down that. 
Can you tell us what's sort of being said there? Because it's a little tough yeah, on radio little without the... on the radio, but he's talking about, well, you didn't hear the butyric acid part. What you just heard was they were going to attach chains to the train where you can't use a bolt cutter to cut through the, um, the chains. So the, it's, it's clearly terrorism. This guy's name is Lagba Carrefour. Now, what's interesting is usually when you're exposed like this, and the, the, right as I speak, the... The terrorism task force is meeting about this, and they're looking at the films, and they're trying to determine um, whether they're going to press charges. You, this is the part of the movie when you're supposed to like bleach your hair and you know g- g- change your ID and get out of Dodge. These guys are on Twitter right now, tweeting at me and attacking me, and def- you know um, it's pretty remarkable the, the the arrogance and the hubris of these organizers. Um, they're, they're breaking the law when they're conspiring to do this. The tape you did not hear was the part where they're talking about butyric acid. That can, that's flammable gas. It could cause r- rashes. It could cause asthma attacks. And if there's a thousand people cramped in the National Press Club, they could all kind of storm out of there and stampede one another. And it's actually considered a weapon of mass destruction under DC legal code. So um, I I hope that they make arrests. I've done everything in my power. I have emails. Of all their plans and, and some of their, they call it reconnaissance, where they go to the buildings and they scout the locations. And I provided all of that to law enforcement. Um, but I think they're going to be scaling back slightly in light of the revelations. I think they're going to, they're, 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 they, for example, the, the Deplora Ball, as it's called, this is the event tomorrow night, found on their registry these anti-fascists had signed up and they have refunded their tickets. So maybe we avoided some disaster tomorrow night. So you think that by exposing this, there's a level of, of preventative, uh, or there's a level of prevention that's been achieved here because these groups now realize that there will be, not only will people be paying attention to everything that happens with the anti-Trump protests at the inauguration, but if we mm-hmm. already know some of what is planned and some of what and some of who may be behind it, it's a lot harder for them afterwards to say, oh, well, it's just it was a peaceful protest that got out of hand. Right. This is what we always hear is that, oh, well, there were a few bad actors, but overall it was peaceful protest. We see this with other leftist groups. In this case, no, no, the plan from from go, as it sounds, we're hearing on these tapes is to do things that are illegal. I mean, you pointed out what butyric. Uh, what is it? I mean, it's called butyric, butyric, butyric acid. acid. What would they be doing with butyric acid? They would be putting it in the HVAC system, the ventilation system of the National Press Club. This is their plan, is to, is to cause chaos and wreak havoc. They want to shut down the inauguration. They're open about that. They just don't tell you how, you, how they're going to do it. I mean, you could, you could lie in the street. That's, that's not going to harm anybody. It's going to be annoying. And that's what they would I, – I think that would, that's what they would lead you to believe. But if you go inside their meetings as we did, you, 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 you're, we're showing what they're going to do. They're going to put – acid bombs in the in an HVAC shaft. And by the way, back when Obama was inaugurated, I, I don't remember any Tea Party people or other people who are doing things like this. I don't remember anything like this. Um, it's it's what funny can you, how what, we're, the, we're, we're considered the fascists, you know? You know, what can you tell us about these groups and, and to whatever degree you're comfortable sharing? How did how did your group stumble upon all this activity? Yeah, well, we, um, we, we, what we do is kind of like one half investigative journalism and one half intelligence gathering. We build relationships with people, or as in the intelligence community, they call that cultivation. 
So we, we've just built relationships with people. We get them to trust us, and we spend sometimes months undercover like we did back in the election with Democracy Partners, with the big story about violence at Trump rallies where we exposed what they were doing there, inciting violence. And we and we do not we do not ourselves incite violence. We never suggest violence. There are some reports out right now saying that I'm, I've incited this. We never said anything about it. The only thing we did is establish ourselves as trusted left wing people. We you know we really we were they call themselves comrades. This is how these guys talk. And, and we we said we were ideological sympathetic, and they they trusted us. And because when you, people trust you, they confide in you. And they actually – this anti – it's called the anti-fascist group. They told us uh, – or anti-fa as it's known. They, they told us – they told my undercover that, um, that they really did confide in, in him. They told others in the group that they confided in him. So this was not a counter sting. It was not – they weren't feeding us false information. They really, they really told us what they were going to do. And, and now I think they're going to have to abandon this plot because there's just no way – they can pull it off tomorrow night with law enforcement and their tickets being refunded. Is this is anti-fascist is one of many groups under Disrupt Day 20. Uh, uh, League of Conservation Voters is another one in California that actually does get Tom Steyer money and George Soros money. Uh, there are other groups, ATA, um, Socialist Collective. These are all far left groups, some of whom are connected to the D.C. establishment and some of whom are just sort of fringe radical groups. And who are who are you expecting, even including groups that are not a part of your expose here? Are, are there some groups that are going to engage in activities that you're, you're quite certain will be disruptive? And who are they and what are you? You know, there's a difference between putting butyric acid in a ventilation system and uh-huh. lying down in the street, which we know Black Lives Matter has done. Occupy Wall Street has done. They've done it in places all across mm-hmm. the country. Uh, should we expect that some of those groups, not the ones that necessarily you expose here, are going to be acting out as the social justice warriors we know them to be i think they'll all do that i think i think that's that's something as long as nobody is harmed i think i think it'll be annoying but i i i i have nothing i have nothing against legal legal um even i'm i'm i myself have been accused of breaking all types of laws i've I've never in fact broken laws as a journalist but i i am for peaceful sometimes peaceful civil disobedience that is not what we are talking about here. Um, they say in these meetings openly that they w- will use any means necessary. One of the guys, Luke Kuhn, in the video says, we will burn down your house. We will fight the cops. They're open about what they want to do. They're resisting arrest. I mean, harming people. He, at one point in the video, this guy named Colin Dunn, it's right in frame. You can see his face. He says, one of the added advantages of setting off the sprinkler alarms is people will be freezing cold when you get them wet. I mean, if that isn't an example of assault, I don't know what is. People are going to get hypothermia. I don't think it'll be that cold. It'll be 50 degrees or 45 degrees. But you want to get people wet so they can freeze to, to death or, or, or go to the hospital? I, I, I'm only reporting what I see. And what I'm seeing on the inside of these groups is a desire to harm people and to shut down using any means necessary, the inauguration. The fact these guys are tweeting right now, they're tweeting and they're not like getting out of Dodge, is an example of the fact that there's no one in the media holding any of them accountable. Um, this, these videos haven't been played on television. So unless there's pressure put on law enforcement, I don't, I don't, I don't, these guys might go ahead and harm people. And if that happens, 
I'm going to have to go out and say the media was was culpable. They were complicit in not um, in not blowing the whistle. Um, we're blowing the whistle on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, but that's that. Those are my platforms. That's the best I can do. Law enforcement, though, it sounds like from what you've said, they are taking this seriously, or or are they? It's hard to say. My lawyer um, called them uh, two days ago, and they called them right back. Well, well, first of all, they're definitely taking it seriously. Whether they whether they can do anything to stop them, it, it depends upon the law, mens rea, and all that stuff. I'm not an attorney, but they did. They, they the only thing they were concerned about is whether this was a counter sting. And they, they told me it wasn't because uh, if you look at the tapes and you look at the evidence, they're, they're clearly not feeding me false information. They, they're clearly speaking to me for months and trusting me and so forth. But they t- what they told me was that our evidence uh, confirmed what they had been investigating, and they actually had these guys' names in front of us when we met with them. They had their last names. They had their files, and they also said that they were – themselves investigating these things before we came forward. They don't. They just don't have videotape. Sometimes we can do things that law enforcement, for whatever reason, can't do. They just didn't get access in the way we got access to these groups. So we were kind of synergistic with what the FBI and the Secret Service were doing over the last few weeks looking into this. James O'Keefe is an award-winning journalist and writer. He is the founder and president of Project Veritas. You can learn more about his work at projectveritas.com. James, thank you for your work on this. Appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, sir. Team, phone lines open 888-900-3393. Be right back. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. See, we've got Fox News reporting that the Pentagon recommended against the Manning commutation. And uh, by the way, I I agree with the General Cartwright pardon. Uh, I I think that and there was already a a, people keep saying that there needs to be a commutation for Petraeus. Petraeus didn't serve any prison time. So what are you going to commute there? You're going to pardon him entirely? That means, remember, a pardon, this is a very important distinction. I know many of you are aware of it, but it's just important to keep in mind. A pardon means for all intents and purposes— you never even committed the it's done there's no it's not on your record you are not guilty of anything anymore it's a it's an incredible power given to the president of the united states it's it's as though it didn't happen not on your record your voting rights restored you can own a firearm again you're not you don't have to list that you're a felon or anything a pardon is clean slate commutation is you got 10 years we'll we'll let it go at at 3 or you know you got 30 years we'll let it go at 7 that's commutation it's leniency as opposed to uh, clean slate. Pardon really is clean slate situation. And I think that the general, this is the stuff that really drives people nuts, especially those who work or worked in the defense and intelligence side of things. When is, when is information that's in, that's completely in the public sphere? When can you talk about it? And when can you not? And uh, some government officials act like complete lunatics over this one where you know, the drone program was classified 
I think technically still, although I don't know because I wasn't in anymore, even after Obama was discussing it on Google chats with people and talking about where it was happening, and it was still classified program, though. Well, okay, so if someone talks about the drone program, they still can they can be charged criminally, even though the commander-in-chief is talking about it openly on Google chat, like hanging out with people? Uh, that's, that's where you get it. There, there are places where this law and these these the way it's applied and the way the department of justice goes about these things are nonsensical and unfair and with cartwright it sounds like his problem wasn't that he disclosed his problem was that he lied to the fbi but then you get into the well should he have been on the hot seat for not even disclosing so i think that that's i'm okay with that i i tend towards mercy on all of these things because i think that people make mistakes and i think that it's a very high standard if you want to be particularly a letter of the law. It's a very high and honestly a a impossible standard to truly decipher when it comes to classified at a certain level and in some cases. But what Manning did is just, uh, here's all this classified stuff. I'm just going to release it all because I think it'll be interesting and I, it'll be cool. And what Snowden did is I'm going to change the world and have a civil rights or sorry, a civil liberties conversation in America and with the globe by we still don't know. Did he take a million documents or, or a few documents with him to Russia? You know, there's all this debate. It should be pretty straightforward, but it's not. So that's an, another instance of this. That's not. And then we talked about these cases where people say it's whistleblowing. Well, whistleblowing is there's activity that's illegal that's going on that's being covered up as though it as though it's classified or is hiding behind classification statutes to keep it from public view. That's whistleblowing. There was the NSA whistleblower. That was whistleblowing. And by the way, the government pulled him out of the shower with agents kicking in the door of his home with MP5s. And he was blowing the whistle. He did go through channels. He did expose a program that raised constitutional issues. It was unclassified, and they still went after him. So I am very aware of the other side of this, too. And I don't want any of you to be surprised if one day under a Trump or a future administration, I'm sitting here saying this is tyranny. Because the government does engage in tyrannical behavior sometimes to cover its own butt, Republican and Democrat. I still think that Scooter Libby should have been entirely pardoned. Not, not He was commuted, not pardoned. I think he should have been pardoned. So I'm not one of these people that just, oh, national security. You know, there are some, maybe even a Republican congressman or two, who just go on TV and just want to sound like Attila the Hun on this stuff all the time. Traitors, treason, people could be shot for this in the past, rah, rah, rah. Okay, what Manning did was was bad. This is a real case of it. What Snowden did was bad. Not all bad, but it doesn't matter. Right? If if you're robbing a bank and you save somebody's life who's having a heart attack, nice that you save somebody's life for having a heart attack, but you still robbed a bank. And if you cause the heart attack by robbing the bank, I don't know how thankful we're supposed to be that you saved the person from the heart attack. Similar things here with, well, there's some whistleblowing for Manning that could have been done and Snowden started an interesting conversation. Okay, that's a part of it, but what about the rest of it? Have to be accountability for that, too. So I just want to give you a, a fuller picture of how I view all these things. And the government sometimes way overreaches on this stuff. Manning is not a case of that. Team, we've got a, a new guest joining us here on the program, Kirsten Coppell. She is listed as one of Newsmax 30 most influential Republicans under 30. She is the founder and president of Galt Solutions, a boutique political consulting company in Miami, Florida. Uh, she has worked as the national youth director for the presidential campaign of former Florida Governor Jeb Bush, and she is involved with Generation Opportunity. Kirsten, thank you for calling in. 
Thanks for having me on. All right. Talk to us about the beginning of the Trump administration. We've got the inauguration on Friday. He's going to be officially the commander in chief. As a millennial who looks at the future of the GOP specifically and what could be done, what should be done in order to get it all moving in the right directions, what are your initial thoughts about a Trump presidency for millennials? Sure. So, um, yes, as you might have mentioned, Trump will be inaugurated on on Friday. And I think all of us are anxiously um, anticipating what that first hundred days will look like. He outlined a few months ago in November what his plans were. Um, But we'll see what we can actually get done with Congress and what's on their top priorities for us as millennials. And I really think that, you know, this applies for all the for for everyone. I really believe that Trump's legacy will rest on whether or not he fulfills his campaign promises and how he improves the economy. So for us, at the end of the day, it's all about jobs, jobs, jobs. And of course, you know, what is he doing to create a more business friendly environment? Um, you know, we, we saw this is obviously a crazy election cycle. It was all kinds of twists and turns up until the last day. Um, but ultimately, people vote with their wallets and Americans were worse off under the Obama administration. Um, ACA, his signature health care law, turned out to be not so affordable. And that's why Americans chose a new direction. It certainly did not work for uh, young Americans who did not sign up for Obamacare, no matter how hard they tried to market it and jam, jam that down our throats. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think that that's definitely at the top of the list is repealing, um, repealing and replacing Obamacare. Do you think that Trump, as a person who is very adept at social media, his Twitter account is like a, a bolt of lightning from Zeus up on Olympus for much of the media. They freak out every time he tweets now because he's able to determine much of the news cycle by writing in a, what is it 140 characters or less and it doesn't have to right. go through a press office it doesn't have to go through anything does he have a unique opportunity as the soon-to-be republican president within the party because and as leader of the party to reach younger uh, younger people across the country I mean, we're always being told on the media side of things you got to be on snapchat you've got to be using all the different social media platforms Trump is, what, 70? And yet he, he tweets like somebody that is, is following the latest in Ariana Grande's career and you know knows what's going on with Kanye. He's much more tapped into the social media side of things than really any president before him. Is, is that an opportunity or do you see that as a risk? No, I see it as an opportunity. And you said it perfectly. I mean, I think that he's able to break through the mainstream media, which hasn't been 100% fair to him um, and either has celebrities and pop culture, right? So he is able to break through that by, by going directly to the people. Um, and I think that's really important in breaking through this kind of snowflake culture that we have with young people. Um, I think that, you know, with recent years, college campuses have become this petri dish for indoctrination. Um, there's free speech zones. They're put in place all over the country. There's no diversity of thought. That's all prohibited. Uh, and the same, you know, the same thing goes for really what we're seeing in a lot of media. Um, so I think it's really good that he's actually able to go right to the people. Now, of course, are some of his things that he says controversial or to use better tone? Yeah, I mean, I guess but that's not why he got elected. Right. Let's be real. He got elected because he blew up political correctness. And, and that's that's what Americans wanted this time around. While I, I did work for Governor Bush, as you had mentioned, and, you know, 
us and, and the other 16 candidates uh, were busy trying to uh, get all of the elected official endorsements, um, you know, and check off all of those boxes. And that was really just uh, another nail in the coffin for each one of those candidates that just aligned themselves with more of the establishment while Trump was bypassing all of those formalities, didn't care about any endorsements um, from any elected officials, didn't need them and just tweeted and talked to the people. Now, you are the president of Galt Solutions, which is a boutique political consulting company. What kind of things do you do as a political consultant? I'm actually just curious. I don't I've I've never worked as one. I've worked as a government employee before. What do you do? Sure. So um, I started my career really, really young. Um, I was I was I was basically starting to work um, through through college. And as soon as I got into college, um, I was working for, I was interning for Senator Rubio, did internships in D.C. Um, I started working on the Newt Gingrich presidential campaign last cycle. Um, and then I just decided that I was going to open up my own little boutique consulting firm because there was a gap that I noticed um, in the Republican, conservative, libertarian world. They were not able to reach and engage young people and minority coalitions. And it was something that was needed. Um, I believe our message was something that was, uh, uh, millennials were very ripe for, uh, less government in their lives, uh, more economic opportunity and prosperity, less, less regulations. These are things that we want. Um, you know, this is back to the Uber ride-sharing economy. You can definitely see that this is a space that we like to be in. We don't want to be pushed out by all, these red, by all this red tape. Um, so that being said, that message was not communicated to my generation and i wanted to help be a voice um for for young people for other young women to provide diversity of thought and to help campaigns and nonprofits um message that better so i did start my my own consulting company um i started working for governor bush for his campaign as his national youth director had a great experience um, learned a lot and, and traveled the country um, during the campaign and now have the amazing opportunity um, to be working with Americans for Prosperity and Generation Opportunity in the, the fight to preserve the American dream. What is Generation Opportunity about? Well, Generation Opportunity is a liberty-loving organization that is really at the tip of the spear in the ride-sharing debate currently. Um, right now, we're pushing back against local governments and union influence that's trying to stifle innovation. Uh, job creation, and overall thing, uh, innovations that are overall improving our lives. So Generation Opportunities on college campuses, they're in the community, they're building a grassroots network of, of young Americans, 18 to 34 young professionals, that are ready to, to fight back against the government. Kirsten Coppell is the founder and president of Galt Solutions. You can follow her at Kirsten underscore Coppell on Twitter, and she is one of Newsmax. 30 most influential Republicans under 30. Congrats again on that. Kirsten, great to have you. Hope you'll come back and hang out with us again. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, team, we're going to hit a break. Much more coming. Stay with me. Sponsor on this hour, team, is silencershop.com. The best place to go, period, to get a silencer is silencershop.com. They offer the best pricing along with the best service. And when you purchase a silencer from silencershop.com, you simply pick it up at a local dealer with no transfer fees and no shipping. Uh, buying from SilencerShop.com is just like buying local since your local dealer is setting the price and making the profit. So now you can get the best price and know you're supporting your local business. 
Check it out. Read the testimonials. All the stuff you need is right there on the site, and the staff is happy to help you out. You can reach out to them if you have any additional questions. Go to silencershop.com. Again, that is silencershop.com. So I wanted to talk a bit about the Obama administration legacy. Of course, in the waning days here of his presidency, very final days. Oh, wow. Hey, guys, you want to just take a moment? Obama's not going to be president anymore after Friday. Isn't that amazing? We're fine. It's eight, eight years. It's been a long time. He's been in office a really long time. I feel like I, I've I've spanned two careers, one in intelligence and one in media, while the time Obama's been in office, or switch from one to the other. I I kind of remember back in two thousand eight when he won, and then early two thousand and nine. It was a bit of a blur. And not because I was partying so hard, although maybe that was happening too. But there won't be this voice from the White House that is a constant uh, reminder to all Republicans and conservatives and all people that have a traditional view of the Constitution and government power that you're on the outside now, that you're on the wrong side of history, as he likes to say. It'll be a nice change got to say i'm looking forward to that change Uh, i'm looking forward to not being in a place where i'm constantly uh, being denigrated by the president supposed to the president for all of us because i don't agree with him on things but the legacy issue for obama is going to be litigated now by the many partisans that he has both leaving the white house and oh get ready for it everybody now you're going to see a lot of obama figures a lot of individuals who were high up in the administration they're going to be appearing on cable news. They're going to be getting jobs on TV and writing columns. And so while, in a sense, it's nice that the occupant of the White House is no longer somebody who, well, it's no longer Obama. Uh, on the other side of it, keep in mind that you may be subjected to a lot of Obamaism, particularly through the press through the various media outlets, because they're all going to be looking for jobs now. And people that are used to being powerful now want to become famous and rich along with being powerful or being near power, I should say. And that's going to be a change. The that That's going to be a change that we see. You also have the fight over the legacy. Interesting piece on the Hill. Ben Rhodes, who is the Obama administration's deputy national security advisor, it said that the this is according to the hill dot com that the threat of impeachment was a factor in Obama's decision not to pursue a tougher intervention policy in Syria. So Obama, the Obama administration that went on its own to negotiate with Iran and said this is executive prerogative is also saying now because Syria is such a disaster, such a debacle that, oh, well, it was those pesky Republicans and the threat of the possible threat of impeachment for Obama's would-be actions or could-have-been actions in Syria, that's what stopped it. There's just no shame here at all. They know that his Syria policy, as we have U.S. special forces on the ground and a ground force that is U.S. supplied and receiving air support, which many of us said should have been done three or four years ago, as that is happening right now in Syria, really tough to say that Obama's do-the-minimum, do-nothing, leave-it-to-the-U.N. policy is the height of wisdom. The second coming of Talleyrand, this guy is not. Uh, And yet here he is telling us that it's because 
the Republicans once again were thwarting his agenda. He also defended the Obama red line, which I don't know anybody who defends this. This is this Ben Rhodes guy. He says that, well, quote, well, drawing the line actually did provide the basis for a diplomatic effort to remove the chemical weapons program peacefully. Uh, Okay, so that's that's a true statement, maybe. But who cares? They still use chemical weapons dozens of times in Syria and all that the removal of chemical weapons officially did or the official removal of chemical weapons did is allow the Syrians then a free hand or a freer hand to drop as many bombs on civilians as they want and just use old dumb bombs, conventional munitions to flatten apartment buildings and whole city blocks uh, using these barrel bombs, dropping them out of helicopters on crowded areas of the city to just kill as many people as possible. How the administration can now stand up and and do some chest thumping on how brave and smart they were with their policy here is just beyond me. But now it's a question of marketability. See, the Obama legacy isn't just an issue for Obama. It's for everybody leaving that administration. They want to get their narratives out there that this was a really successful presidency, that Obama did great things, and the people who worked for him were the A-team. They were really smart. They got it done. When those of us who are paying attention look at the reality of this, and much of what Obama did is going to be quickly undone by the Trump administration, the Affordable Care Act is on life support, and they may pull the plug any day now, and we're going to see all sorts of policy shifts around the world and here at home because Obama created zero consensus, built no bridges, and constantly engaged in zero-sum, scorch-earth politics against the other side. That's, that's really his legacy. And hid behind an appealing persona and personal story and the media acting as a virtual phalanx for him for being held accountable for any of this. You just ask someone who thinks Obama did a great job. Give me one truly bipartisan, bipartisan act that Obama did. Give me one meaningful concession he made to the other side, even if it didn't come to fruition, but to get things done. And all you have with Obama is when the Democrats are in charge, they ran through Obamacare. It's sheer, blatant partisanship. When they lose the House, it's Republicans are obstructionist. And when they lose the Senate, it's, well, I'm just going to do it on my own because Congress won't do what I say. That is a true timeline. That is the actual trajectory of the Obama administration. From one-party rule to obstructionists to who needs the Congress. That is Obama's legacy. That and pardoning a traitor and a terrorist or a commuting, pardon me, (laughs) pardon me, a uh, commuting the sentences of a traitor and a terrorist. All right, team, third hour coming up, more national security and also a little taste of Freestyle Friday on a Wednesday. Ooh, what's that going to be? If you want to know, you're going to have to stay with me. Also love the chat with any of you who want to call in. You know what the phone number is, but I like to say it, 888-900-3393. Third hour in the Freedom Hut, just a few minutes away. Stay with me. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 